find the people out there who are maybe sick in 10 years? What if we could heal them today? The cost and so they the, don't get sick, yeah. the effort is going to be, we don't need to be 90% perfect. Maybe if we are, we move you from a diet of 35% diet, like, I mean, 100% would be like a perfect ever diet. Yeah. Zero is like, you're going to kill yourself in like two years. Yeah. Like the Nicholas Gates in leaving Las Vegas type of diet. Totally, Not yeah. <laughs> So don't do that with one. Yeah, most people are eating like the 30, 40% diet. And I'm, I'm again, I don't know. I don't have the data, but I, I'm saying that if I can move you from that to 60% diet, you will likely live 10 years longer and you will not cost for the healthcare system even 10th what you would otherwise cost. And if that's true, we just need to find these people and, and you know, somehow make this exciting enough that they are willing to pay maybe a few dollars more or commit to use this instead of something else. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Eat Real to Heal podcast. I am Nicolette Richet, your host, and I'm so excited to welcome Ari Tula to our interview to the podcast today. Ari Tula is an accomplished entrepreneur based in San Francisco, and he's also the co-founder and CEO of ELO. It is a smart nutrition service that seeks to revolutionize the way we view food from being a leading cause of disease to being a form of medicine. Ari is also an active angel investor and an advisor, and he has a portfolio of over 40 different startups, which include Verta Health, Good Eggs, and Aura. Previously, he served as the CEO of Quest Analytics. He's a leader in doctor data and network management. So when Ari's not working or co-parenting with his two young children and his wife, Ari enjoys exploring Northern California's steep cliffs, powdery slopes, and big cold waves. That is a place I would love to be right now as I'm sitting here in beautiful Pemberton, British Columbia, and it just snowed today. So on today's podcast, I'm speaking with Ari Tula, and he's really been dedicated to helping people navigate the super confusing world of healthcare. And you're going to learn about his journey from when his wife got diagnosed with cancer and how that brought him to where he is today. Now, before we dive in, I want to share with you two events that we have coming up. If you didn't hear it on last week's announcement on the show, I want to invite you to beautiful Whistler, British Columbia. It's a leading class ski resort, the world's top ski resort in all the world. It's amazing. And I get to live and play here. And I'm going to be hosting a four-day retreat with you, several other guests, myself, and you're going to be able to engage in everything that it takes to learn how to reverse your chronic diseases once and for all. So you'll be attending lectures on the Eat Real to Heal program, cooking classes, doing cold dipping, yoga, breath work. And one of my most favorite ceremonies is to make a sacred drum that you will be able to take home with you. So it's a fully active, engaging, energizing four days. You are going to leave feeling so refreshed, but also with all the knowledge that you need to be able to successfully reverse your disease once you return home. I've been teaching this retreat for years. It's been a few years since we've been able to host a retreat due to COVID, but we are back. So get your seat today. Those events are April 5th to April 8th, 2023, and the link is below for you to sign up. Now, 
a second event that we have happening is our Fab to Fit Get Off Your Fat Ass program. So this is a six-week online program. We have run it several times before, and you will get unbelievable results. So even if you have a chronic disease, you can join this program and rest assured, it does not mean that you are fat. It means you are F-F-A-F-A-A-T. You are fabulous. You are amazingly authentic. You are awesome just the way you are. You are perfect as you are. And you have the ability to be a transformational powerhouse. What that means is everything you'll be learning in this program, how to eat real to heal, but also how to set a very, a big, hairy, audacious goal fitness goal that you'll be able to accomplish. And our previous students have just done so well in this program. They've not only reversed their diseases, but they've been able to go on and achieve their fitness goals at such bigger levels that they ever imagined for themselves. So you can be like uh, Katie, she reversed her PCOS and went on to run a half marathon. You can be like Sarah, who went on to run a 50K race when she hadn't been able to run at all due to her health conditions. You might be like Janice, who went out there and rode her bike across the state of Wisconsin. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So the link is below to sign up for that program as well. And please share this with your friends. Even if you can't attend, you might have a friend that would be able to attend. So please share all the information with them. I appreciate it. And I appreciate you. So jumping back in, let's welcome Ari Tula to the show. And you know what to do, folks. If you love this podcast, please share it with your friends, share it with your loved ones so they can learn all about using food as medicine to reverse their chronic diseases. See you at the end. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Eat Real to Heal podcast. I am your host, Nicolette Richet. And on today's show, I'd like to welcome Ari Tula to the show. Thank you. Wonderful to be here. Yeah, really nice to have you here. Um, I was really excited to actually get the invite um, from your podcast uh, bookers that, you, that you're working with, uh, the podcast managers, and just going to your site. And it was exciting to see that you are an entrepreneur, but you're also an angel investor in a wide spectrum of companies. But from what I looked at, all in the field, mostly in the field of health and wellness, is that correct? Yeah, there, there are some companies that um, we invested a while ago that were around um, uh, video gaming and um, and that world that I I spend a lot of time in my my past. But uh, lately, it's been almost exclusively in in healthcare and human performance, and with this idea of uh, helping adding more transparency into the world of healthcare and nutrition and health overall. It's just a very confusing world today that very few people are able to understand fully. And there's so much uh, uh, dogma and, and so many these uh, rumors around that we think are real, but many of them are just wrong completely. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up because... You know, we live in a world now where especially post-COVID, where everybody seems to have a TikTok account. And I even see with my kids that they'll 
you know, bring me facts from TikTok and they don't, they can't tell the difference between fact and fiction anymore. And the world is so saturated with everybody claiming to know everything about health and wellness. But uh, I mean, I'm very data driven. I love science. I love, you know, current data. And so I was really excited to see some of these companies that you've invested in um, and, and the companies that you have and to see that you really are focusing a on real-time data accuracy as much as you can get with the existing technology that we have. I know it's only going to get better, but we need more and more of that in the world. So I want to go back to how you first got into the world of health, because I have, you know, taught physicians around the world. I And so many physicians do not have the information and knowledge you have about nutrition because they're not trained in nutrition. So how did you get into this field? What's your yeah, backstory? I'm a, I'm a very... Um typical healthcare or health entrepreneur um, that I'm not uh, a professional. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nurse. I don't have any training per se for healthcare, but I am a super user and uh, somebody who had to learn by being in the trances. And, um, and my uh, battle really has been um, with my my wife who had uh, health issues for a long time and uh, she had a thyroid tumor 20 maybe four years ago mm. when we were living in in Europe and Finland and um, basically out of nowhere she starts in her neck and you know suddenly she has a big uh, lump on her neck and uh, we we get to uh, the doctor's office and we get escalated to the specialist and and then we finally learn what it is after biopsies and um, and then a few weeks after the surgery that takes away half the other thyroid and that leads into a long haul of uh, autoimmune diseases hormonal imbalances and uh, medications that make it almost impossible to get pregnant mm-hmm. that's tough you know you you just found you know your spouse and you know love of your life and then suddenly you are you are put in a in a box that you can never have family and um, and I'm I'm very persistent as as you see, and you know we spent about a decade to to try to find a solution, a remedy, and we went very deep into you know Western and Eastern medicine, and in the end we found that you know uh, among many things, uh, diet was able to help her body uh, to heal itself, uh, lower the inflammation, uh, fix you know the pathways in a way that you know she was able to get out of the medication, and then finally you know. Uh, be be able to get pregnant and that took also many years because we had to go to the IVF route and we were then in the US so um, it's a very different healthcare system where you basically have I had a very good health plan one of these Cadillac plans that they talk about in the US where you can go to any doctor you want more or less and you don't pay anything but you know we went to 50 different doctors and we couldn't find the right care and and after you know many rounds of IVF we finally uh, got pregnant and then you know our first son son died so that was like a really like a like a, over a decade of of battlement with this area that you know i knew nothing about in the beginning but you know after years i think my wife probably has like a double phd in, <laughs> in these areas and and i'm i'm being following very close and trying to be also there to support every day and um, and you really learn by doing and you learn how difficult the world is 
for the physicians. And you said it really well that, you know, healthcare in many ways is about data. And I 100% believe in that because it, it's all about testing, um, monitoring, understanding. And then, you know, a doctor is, is a person and we are not very good at adopting or adapting and, and, and using the data to make decisions. We are very bad computers. Our brain is not a good computer at all. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, decade ago, 15, 20 years ago, the doctors didn't use any type of computer. Now we are starting to get uh, some assistance in some cases. But I see a future where um, uh, the doctor will be always assisted by an AI that will help uh, identify the likely causes. And then a human can be the one who is picking the right ones with the context that the computer might not have. Uh, but that's why, I mean, I, it was basically this uh, drama that I have had in my life. And, and there are not many people who are in their early 20s who have to think about, you know, these existential things like death and family, and, and not in a, in a way that your, my grandma is dying, but, you know, you know, your own child is dying. Like, it's really traumatic. And, you know, it, it molded me who I am. And, and we decided, you know, over 10 years ago, maybe 13 years ago, to spend our life in, in, in this manner, in, in, in healthcare. My, my wife is today her passion has always been environment and she was you know mm -hmm. one of the people out of many who was you know crafting the you know the Kyoto agreement back in the days to try to carp the emissions 20 years ago and you know we haven't done great as a society as a humanity on that but you know nowadays is working on one-on-one -on -one with people doing KonMari consulting with Marie Kondo and you know helping wow. people by every day hand in hand and I decided to spend my my years in in building healthcare companies and now I'm building a third healthcare company and together we built a small investment vehicle we invest in companies that are you know pushing the human you know performance and human health forward so I mean this tragedy kind of turned into a really amazing story that you know uh, and it's, it's been really fulfilling to you know be able to work every day on stuff that you deeply care about mm -hmm. and with people who understand how important this is. Yeah, and I was, I mean, incredibly moved by your story, and that is a lot to go through. And the one part you said, too, about not many people being in their 20s and have to face these existential moments, but we are in a world now where we have children, be, you know, age three being diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and diabetes, where prior to 1940, virtually no one had diabetes. It was non-existent. And now it's a it's an epidemic. And after like 1986, as we see these, you know, pesticides like glyphosate and other herbicides and pesticides being used in huge quantities in the industrial level, as well as the home level on homes and gardens, you know, we saw this massive rise and we can look at the data and see that there is a correlation between the use of pesticides and these diseases that have increased dramatically over the last 20 years. And we are seeing more and more people in their teens and their 20s with these debilitating diseases. And what's interesting about your story is that a lot of people, you know, they think because I use food as medicine to support my clients in reversing their very advanced diseases, poor prognosis. Some of them have three months to live and we can fully reverse a disease. The human body is amazing at healing itself. But when people think that, okay, well, I'm doing this with food, then they automatically think we can't use medicine. And what's, what's interesting about your story though, is that 
you know, Western medicine helped your wife clearly, right? Had to remove, you know, the tumor. She lost part of her thyroid. She needed that service and that care at the time. But some people would have advocated for fundraising for chemotherapy research, whereas you went in the opposite direction. And this is what I'm so fascinated about. But then when you tell me about your wife, you know, working on the Kyoto Protocol and the work that she does, it doesn't surprise me because I worked in government designing environmental policy. And so for me, the minute I learned about nutrition and toxicity, I immediately related it to the human body and saw that direct link, which is what it feels like you and your wife have done as well. So we need more people in the world understanding that relationship. What happens in the environment is also what's happening in our bodies as well. So I love this about you. This is, is a really important piece to your story that um, for the future of education as well, I think that, you know, teaching people about that relationship in school at the early ages, you have young kids, I have young kids, um, you know, and if, and if they grow up not knowing that relationship, they too could have then just been an advocate for chemotherapy being the only way to treat disease or surgery. And those are the only things, but not looking at nutrition. So I want to dive into the nutrition side. So when you were exploring nutrition and diet, you said that that was a big part of your wife's journey, um, which I'm sure is part of also your journey and your children's food that they eat. So what were some of the things that you discovered um, that you didn't know about back then? Well, I think um, the, the point about, by the way, on the um, toxins and uh, environmental uh, impact on our body. I mean, that's something that is rather new knowledge. And we have had some advisors at uh, my current company, Elo, who have been talking about that a lot. And and, and so was Bisorno is somebody that, you know, who spoke us a lot about, uh, I don't know if you know the person, but he's who kind of, uh, so, so Bisorno, he is one of the people who I think he coined uh, the term uh, functional medicine and he oh, built the yes. first university, the Pasteur University. He was yeah. the founder of that. And he's, he's a very old person now, but he was helping us to think about this early on because I wanted to talk to people who are really, they've been there for a long time. And, mm -hmm. and his thesis today is mainly that um, the plastics and, um, and the pesticide and the toxins are really having a big influence on this chronic epidemic. And, um, I think in, in my case and my wife's case, we've been asking many times, not so much lately, but in the past, like, why did this happen? Mm -hmm. And um, it was interesting to realize that uh, her mother was a, an industrial cleaner, like cleaning, you know, schools and, um, and cafeterias and stuff like that. And in the late 70s, when we were born, um, there was often um, heavy chemicals used in these uh, environments. And, you know, while she was pregnant, uh, to my 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 wife I mean she was using these chemicals so it's basically that is likely the cause for what what had happened in the first place because this type of tumor is not very common at that young age uh, so we were you know we learned that long time ago and I am also a big advocate of you know we don't use any plastic in our home we buy everything from the farm uh, nothing touches plastic and it's really difficult yeah. to live in that way almost impossible in the current society where yeah. plastic is so prevalent in everything that we we consume and, and eat um, and I think there's a huge amount of evidence coming now out that you know we are just uh, everything is polluted by plastic like every yeah. animal is filled with this micro 
uh, plastic pieces. And they're, of course, awesome is, you know, felt with it to a level that we don't even realize today. But to, to go talk about the nutrition and, and I mean, I didn't know anything. I was, I was an athlete. So I, I played, you know, ice hockey uh, for my youth. And, you know, I'm, I'm training twice a day and it doesn't matter what I eat. I mean, I can eat anything. It, it, that type of, you know, that body can, you know, fuel with anything almost. So you don't think about it. But then suddenly you you go from eating the the classic you know student in you know, a ramen and noodles and you know the cheapest food possible to start thinking about it and you know going into this sort of a form where if I simplified I mean we went kind of this mode where we say no no wheat no sugar uh, added sugar no yeah. no meat uh, that was more or less kind of the diet that we ended up wait for many many years and and today we do eat a bit of meat uh, very sustainable meat because our, our children they they like to eat meat at times it's good to understand uh, how does it work from yeah. the the farm to table or from the forest um, to table and understand how world works yeah. and uh, i don't want to narrow them to be vegans because it might not be the best uh, diet for uh, you know five to ten year olds uh, because you are, I mean, there's a lot of problems now we are seeing in the teenage girls in the US and in Europe who are becoming vegan in a wrong way. Yeah. And, and they have a big issues with the puberty happening too early, too late. And there's a lot we don't know mm-hmm. about these things. And my wife had a, had a carnitine uh, deficiency that came up many times. And, you know, you get carnitine only from certain type of meats. It's very difficult to get from and even supplementing carnitine didn't work as well as meat did. So we, we become more tolerant, I think, and, and less purist um, over the years. But I ate vegetarian meals for, I don't know, over a decade myself. And, um, and I, I've been a massive believer in this idea of, you know, kind of connecting the nutrition to the recovery. And then I'm, I'm a, I track everything for a long time since I was an athlete. Uh, in 80s already and I've, I continued that but uh, what I know for a fact is that I'm recovering today uh, at you know almost 45 at the same level as I did when I was 20 and almost like you know a pro level yeah. athlete so for me it's interesting that you know the, the old body can do wonders if you are just fueling it right and you are giving the right amount of recovery uh, and I do I, I still train you know 10 to 20 hours a week and now it's more like, you know, more endurance type of stuff. And, 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 but also all the strength trainers really kind of consuming for your body. And I think I can do that until I'm 60 if I follow the current uh, regimen. Okay. And I mean, it's funny when I go to my, you know, school reunion, we did a small reunion this last summer in Finland. And it's fun that like you go there and, you know, all the other uh, boys, they, they, they have no hair and, and they are 35, 45 pound obese. And um, and I'm I still can do 40 pull-ups. So it's very different, <laughs> different type of, you know. They are asking, like, what did you do? Is it the California sun? But no, no, it's just the way how I decided to live my life. Yeah. Well, it does, it comes down to knowledge and choice. And um, and the beautiful thing, I love Dr. Zach Bush. I don't know if you follow his work. I mentioned him. We've had him on our show. He's an incredible physician. Um, and you know, he says, 
based on your lifestyle choices that you make today, you can create 2000 different versions of your body, of yourself. So you can be obese, you can be underweight and you can be anorexic. You can be muscular and like a bodybuilder. You can be lean, like a long distance runner. You can do, and I experienced that myself. One of the things we didn't talk about before the show is um, I've been training for the last two years to run a bike across Canada. So I'll be doing that next year to raise awareness about metabolic nutrition, metabolic disease, particularly diabetes and heart disease and mental health issues that affect BIPOC communities. So communities of color, people who are indigenous, black, um, South Asian, because they experience these chronic diseases as eight times higher levels because they're not given access to food, fresh food. Like you talk about going to the farm. I can go to, I live in the number one farming region in, in almost the entire world. And so I can get fresh food every single day. Whereas some of these communities, you know, they were a friend of mine who just traveled back from up North in Canada. They were selling cherries in Northern Canada and it was $90, nine zero dollars for two pounds of cherries. Right. So you know, someone could argue you shouldn't be eating cherries in Northern Canada, but at the same time, come on, we're in a world where you can get anything, you know, sent on a drone to your house in seconds. And we're talking about people who don't have access to food. So the thing about what you said, that's really important for people to know is that uh, what you said about being vegan, because we're right now in a world where People feel like to be vegan means you can eat all the processed vegan food you want and be healthy, but that is not the case. You are going to be worse off eating processed vegan food than you are going to be eating um, even some of the shittiest meat products that are out there. Sorry for swearing, but at least the meat, if it's grown in a somewhat okay way, is still a whole food versus these synthetic products that are being created in a lab that are full of so many pesticides and preservatives and plastics and like literally just ingredients that are more made for cleaning products and cosmetics than they are for human consumption. So I really like that you um, brought that up. The second piece too is uh, just about being an athlete. So I'm doing this entire run. I've been fully plant-based whole food for a very long time. And I'm going to have, there's a university who's tracking uh, 700 different protein markers as I do the tour across Canada. And the same thing, I'm 47 years old. I've never been an endurance athlete before in my life. I was an athlete in a far off distant life. Um, but it's, it's exciting to see that if you know any of those people at your uh, reunion are listening to this, if you are 45 pounds overweight, and you've never ever run a kilometer, you can be like Ari, like you can change your body and it doesn't take long. It takes literally a few months of just consistent you know, training in a, in a sport you love, do something you love. It's just about moving the body and eating well. And it is that simple, but then it gets complicated because of course, like you said, everybody's body needs are slightly different. And if they have nutritional deficiencies, it's really important that you restore those nutritional deficiencies. So that's what I want to jump into because with your company, which I really love, and is this your company, Elo, Elo? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So this is one of the, this is your company, not one of the ones you invest in. You know, this, uh, so I, I'm an entrepreneur. Um, I'm, I'm a hobbyist. I, I, you know, I, I'm here because I had people helping me. Um, I was involved in the first startup, uh, 99 already. Uh, we built websites in the web 1.0 in Finland. And, uh, my roommates founded the company. Nobody ever funded them. They, they funded the company themselves. They, 
they they grew the company to hundreds of people uh with never getting any funding and wow. that's a really you know rough way to do it and yes. some people are able to do it but very very few you need to have people supporting you early you need to have help um and that's what i try to do i try to you know i've been um lucky enough to be able to build things i love and um lucky enough to you know be able to sell one of them maybe you know two in a moment and um and i'm just putting that you know wealth um to to other people's companies and then you can be kind of a little bit of small part of them and you can learn along with them and that's been the most rewarding for me that you know you can sometimes maybe you can help these people but you know more you are just because you put money where the mouth is and you have to kind of learn along with them and uh, it's been really rewarding to to see some of these companies that um, we were able to invest early to become massive massive successes that are impacting you know soon millions of people yeah no this and this is what we need because the goal for our company is to teach 22 million people by 2030 how to reverse their chronic diseases using food as medicine so 22 million people i mean that is a ridiculous number but with individuals like yourself, we have investors supporting us, um, lots of people supporting us. And I mean, we can achieve these big, hairy, audacious goals when we band together and we use all of our different resources that we have. For some people, it's money. Some people, it's knowledge. Some people, it's like the entrepreneurial grind mindset that you need to get up every day and keep working at it. So I just have to say thank you for doing what you do, because there's many entrepreneurs out there that could just hoard that money for themselves and they just want to build up a number to say they're worth that much versus actually truly investing in businesses that are making a change in the world versus just putting another piece of plastic out into the world or you know selling another widget so thank you for what you do i really appreciate that that's i mean that by the way it's a really great point that you you highlighted there because i mean that BHAG that you know tim tim collins tim collins you know he made it made this uh thing real with his amazing book um and um good to create uh, is, the, is the book from from tim collins wonderful read by the way i read it like 10 times i gifted a lot uh but the bottom line is that um you need these goals like i, I love your goal about you know doing this um you know uh massive effort of you know and and highlighting that you know you are able to do something that most of your friends are like whoa is that even possible athletically and i hope i hope it will go go well um, but setting those goals is such a key thing. And I remember well, uh, 12 years ago when we started a company called Better Doctor. It was a doctor finder company that really kind of came up from you know my experience and my co-founder's experience of not finding the right care at the right time. Mm -hmm. And you know we we lost you know one 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 family member passed because of you know not having the right care, right person. Not 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 I can't point fingers, but you know one reason and um, we said in the beginning we were not the, the tagline in the founding document was basically to help million people find a doctor they love mm. uh, five years after starting we had about 20 million users and when we i i sold it to, to private equity four years ago that company is now part of this bigger company that is impacting almost every american today when they look for doctors so a lot of the almost all the doctor networks designed by health insurance companies by government like medicare medicaid mm -hmm. are all done with these tools we created so kind of this idea we started with helping million people wow. 
Today, we help 200 million people every year. And what, what an amazing you know, feel you get if that happens. And of course, it's not like people don't know Better Doctor anymore. It's like yeah. under this big company. But that, that feeling that you, know, you have when you know that you built that and you know the team members who did that in a decade, I mean, that's what really is powerful in this world. You, know, you have an idea the idea it can change the world in a small way yeah. and if it's a positive thing you know it's just really really rewarding because you clear you know so well how important it is to have when because the problem here is why well, i'm so passionate about this topic of uh, access to care because we have you know 20 million people in the u.s today they can't access to care they have nobody will pay for it so they are on their own it's just a horrible horrible mistake biggest thing problem we have today in the country that we could easily fix but the bottom line is that if if you that don't you go to a doctor you go there when you are the weakest you are the you are in a in a last end of the tunnel you are, you are in a dead end you, you go there to get help and often you get five minutes of uh time from a person who who doesn't listen to you and that's really the big problem in healthcare today because it's so personal and and often people are kicked when they are lowest and they are they are at the weakest they're sick they don't know what to do they are losing their job they are losing their older savings yeah. they may be losing the loved one or themselves and and that's why i think you know it's so key that you know that moment of truth when people go to the doctor's office we would have more time to give for doctors to do the right thing we have a sick care system in north america it is a terrible 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 system and we have doctors that are burnt out because at the end of the day they can't even function well and do the care that they want to do in the sick care system that's been it's been designed by humans and it is broken and we need more people like yourself like all the entrepreneurs that you're supporting who have these big goals of changing our medical system and turning it back into a healthcare system and sorry and and just Anyway, to know that you had set a goal like that and to know how many millions of people have been impacted by the business, it just landed on me that, you know, this is possible for us as well. Um, and we've been killing ourselves, like we work around the clock doing this work and um, and, and especially in a post-COVID world, it's gotten even worse and with people can't get into doctors. I mean, it was bad before in Canada and the U.S. with trying to get a doctor's appointment. Now everybody's trying to do everything by telemedicine, which is that which is actually in one sense great, because I think what it will do is it will increase the demand for a lot of the products that the companies you support create, like those having, you know, weekly, monthly um, biomarkers that can be sent immediately to the doctor without an appointment, right? Because you can't get into doctors anymore. It's so hard. And so there's going to be people that are uh, that that need these services that need to wear like the the ring that need to have um, you know the product for example that Elo provides with immediate testing um, and and that's one of the things I was going to ask you about is just you know looking at these nutrient gaps and you if you have to wait three months to get into a doctor I mean by the time the doctor gets the results and you get back into the doctor six months has gone by and for some people who have a terrible disease that is you know where the prognosis is poor, poor six months is too long like that can mean their life in a lot of ways so anyway thank I just have to thank you for the, for the work that you're doing and um and for giving me hope as well for our cause. So 
going back to Elo Health, and I just wanted to talk about that with the company, um, with the with the nutrient gaps that individuals have. Can you just explain how this product works, and and just talk about some of the accuracy of the product as well, and how doctors are using this currently with their patients, or athletes or individuals are using this? Yeah, let me let me kind of maybe take a step back a little bit first to kind of give you the context. Um, so as I said already, I mean, I, I really truly believe in the power of um, nutrition as a, as a vehicle to get us sick and also heal us. I think your point about, you know, it takes only months to heal. I mean, I often say that, you know, it takes about 20 to 25 to 30 years to get sick by eating yeah. the processed foods. And then yeah. it only takes a year to heal completely. So our body is totally. very resilient and most of the cells in our body are, are almost brand new. I mean, you can rejuvenate your body pretty well. So that's kind of the, the thing I believe in. And on that context, um, I know for a fact that most people are absolutely confused about the nutrition today. They don't know what's good, what's bad. And we, we get this whiplash every time we open a TV or a blog or a newspaper or a newsletter or whatever. It's like a whiplash. You get eggs are bad, eggs are good. Bacon is good, bacon is bad. I mean, it's just a very, very confusing world. And I often say that the, the nutrition news uh, or the food news is the original fake news. Yeah. We invented that like 70s, 80s, when we did totally. really silly research that you know went in a completely wrong way. And we, I, 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 maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm often saying that we're going to have a billion people dying too young because of few decisions that were made by a few scientists and a few media outlets and few politicians in the 70s around, you know, the fat and sugar, for example. Yeah. And, um, you know, because I'm, I'm a big believer that, you know, the added sugar is, is really causing the... Um, so sugar should be called fat and other way around. And it would be safer and, and securing, securing a lot of people's lives if we were to do that. But so ELO is kind of building on, on those ideas. And um, we we are trying to build a system where we are trying to build the measurements around nutrition. Because I'm a big believer that if you can measure something, you can improve it. Exactly. And today we have no measurements available for nutrition. I, we don't have a way beyond like a weight scale that is showing it in a month latency. Like you are looking at the back view mirror very far away if you're looking yeah. at your weight or if you're looking at your you know your waist or your belt size or your uh pants sizes or whatnot but those are very like low low um latency things that you know you don't really know before it's too late and then things happen so slowly that you know you don't feel it your spouse doesn't see it mm -hmm. but your mom sees it when you see mom every year it's yeah. like what the heck happened to you but yeah. you don't see it because you're living it every day so we are trying to build real-time and, um, and almost real-time measurements available for these things. And we know we are very early. There are not that many available yet. Um, and we decided to start early. We are maybe a little bit like on the bleeding edge today. But I think in the five, ten years, we're gonna, the market will catch up and we're going to be more normal. But the idea yeah. is that can we take data from our bodies we picked uh, blood biomarkers because um, uh, medical community can agree upon on the blood biomarkers. We yeah. can't agree upon the DNA or the microbiome or the hair follicles or saliva yeah. yet. Maybe in the future, but blood we can agree upon. 
And then we took, you know, idea that let's take all the wearable devices. Like I have a, I have an Apple Watch, I have an Aura Ring, I have a Whoop, and you know, I have a glucose monitor in my belt. And so all those things are kind of collecting data all the time from me. So we take the blood data, the the wearable data. That's like a think about sleep, activity, recovery, very valuable metrics that are coming in. We take that into Elo. We use Apple Health today. So Apple device, you can connect to Apple Health. And Amazing. you can get all those data points in one place. And then I can decide to give them to LO. I can decide which I'm going to give to LO. If any, it means all private and you can control it. We don't steal any of your data. We yeah. work only with the data you want to give to us. We turn that data with using AI into the right nutrition plan. So you said it nicely. Uh, it, it's really about finding and filling your nutrient gaps. And we all have them. We, no, nobody is super healthy because you, you do a proper testing round you're going to have a lot of stuff in yellow and red that you did not know about because you've never been tested before because we just don't test many things in the normal healthcare system we do maybe lipid panel maybe a1c but we don't do any of the micronutrients or minerals and vitamins and stuff like that that can be very important and you know the deficits of those can have a halo effect and impact and you know they can be the canary in the gold mine if you have something else going wrong so we then deliver you the nutrition plan. So today we do it in a in a form of like you know daily supplement pack that has your name on. We have a new product coming out, which is a a protein product that is completely tailored for you. We're gonna have you know meals coming in the coming months. So we try to kind of make it very easy so you can get the right nutrition in the right way. And we realized early on when we tested this in a vitreo two years ago. So we were one year we spent like in a clinical trial setting to test it out. And we learned that people didn't trust the computer. They didn't trust the data. Uh, so we added the dietitian in the mix. So now every person who comes to LO today, they are paired with the dietitian who they will meet over Zoom like this, and they can talk with that person then over the app whenever they want. And that same person that they get to know will respond. And they're going to meet the person every quarter at least, if not more often. So that really built the, the system together. The real person had to be added to mix. Otherwise, it didn't feel real. There was no trust because yeah. you will not change anything in your behavior if you don't trust the body or the person or the system giving you the guidance. And once the trust is established, then people will really go all in and make all the changes. And the funniest thing I think we have done today, we found that 90% of people, they start with something being on the red or yellow 90 percent of people have fixed some of those areas in six months time frame and we only do that the early inning has been with the supplements and supplements likely have not done that but what did it is the fact we are giving guidance in a form of a dietitian and then by taking these pills every day you remember what the guidance was and they become kind of this sort of gateway that helps you make better decisions. But it's important to have a one accent, but it's like a, you put the bow in your finger to remember something in the morning. Yeah. It yeah. works that way. And, um, and that's been really rewarding to see that, you know, the outcomes are there and the outcomes are actually far better than you can ever get with the pills because the supplement pills are only going to do so much. They're just supplementing like yeah. 10%. But the, the food you put in you and the lifestyle you live is 90% plus. Yeah. And I love that you brought that up. And, you know, with the clients that I get from all over the world, 
you know, one of the elements, there's four parts to the therapy I teach. So one is hypernutrification um, through food, and that's eating real food, returning back to real food, real nutrients, and getting off all the processed refined foods. And then the second element is some of the clients are just so sick, their digestion is so bad. So we add juicing, because then they can get, you know, fresh vegetable juices, just more nutrients. But then the third element is uh, detoxifying the body. And then the fourth element is making up the additional nutrients via supplements that you cannot get through food. Like you'll never be able to get it no matter how much of anything that you're eating. And so when this happens, it's amazing to see the body just heal itself from all of these debilitating diseases. I'm working with people with genetic conditions and their genetic conditions are improving drastically where, you know, some of them, their lifespan for the, their genetic disease is 45 years, you know, at 45, they die with this and now they're exceeding that. So we can do so much. And what I think is really incredible about what your company is doing is that with this data and then paired with the nutritionist and working with the, with the individual, the user, there's no medical doctor actually really involved in all of this, right? So what it does is it frees up our medical system because we don't have enough doctors, we don't have enough nurses, and then they can work on rare diseases, they can work on acute injuries, they can work on the things where, nutri where nutrition is for sure, always going to be part of it. Doesn't matter, but you know, obviously, if you're in a car accident, break a leg, you need plastic surgery for an accident or an injury, then these doctors have the time to spend in these areas. Because right now we're spending, I think, four point three trillion dollars a year just managing preventable diseases in the U.S. alone. Four point three trillion dollars, like that is like ridiculous. Um, and these are all preventable diseases. Having the human being is really important. So what I love about, and I, I'm actually going to sign up and to get the test done because I've had the DNA testing, which also comes with, you get like a binder of all the nutritional information just based on your DNA results. You know, I don't process, process out caffeine very well. I have trouble processing certain proteins. And so it told me exactly what I need to eat, which is beautiful because it tells me to eat real food. So coupled with what your data provides, I'm really interesting to see the mix together. But the question I have for you is right now, I know we're in the infancy stage. The cost for this is quite high, I know, through the DNA test. So the average individual who's on a food budget in the United States is not going to be able to afford this. You know, so what do you see as being the future of this business? Will this eventually get to a place where it's affordable for most U.S. citizens um, or or is it going to be something that's just too much out of their price range to be able to afford? Yeah, there's a lot, lot there. So let's start from the price perspective first. Um, today, uh, about 100 to 140 million people in the U.S. are eating supplements every day. These can be pills or powders or whatnot. Uh, average people spend between 40 and $60 per month on this. And uh, none of them know if they have the right ones mm -hmm. or if they have any impact on their health. Uh, so we wanted to kind of tackle that aspect at the law. I already said before, transparency is one of the key drivers that I'm trying to bring into, into healthcare. And um, in this case, uh, we we were trying to build a system that would not be that much more expensive for these people who already do these supplements. Okay. So we, we priced it $99 a month for testing, the blood testing, coaxing, and the supplements. 
So you pay basically maybe 40 bucks more and you actually know what you are getting and why. And we are trying to do our best to source the supplements in a way that they are all what they should be. So we do third-party testing on everything. We have been you know, canceling a lot of orders, not taking them in because they were not the right type. They were not meeting the, the criteria. So we're trying to kind of go fairly affordable on that. And of course, okay, now it's kind of crazy that you, you do testing. Like we do blood testing every quarter. Uh, maybe we're going to be making it less frequent in the future to blow the price a bit. Um, but uh, it's interesting when you do quarterly blood testing, uh, we do 13 biomarkers today. So we do the lipid panel, we do A1C, we do uh, homocysteine for information. We are looking at vitamins, you know, D and B12. We look at iron, ferritin. And it's a pretty, it's not like a full panel that you would like to do, but that's something we can start and it's palatable to do on a finger prick. And, and those are uh, important. We, those are really, really important markers, especially for B12 and D3, because, you know, 95% of the population is deficient in those. And now in Canada, just to get your D levels checked, you have to pay $55. It's not covered by the medical system. And being deficient in vitamin D is very, very, very debilitating for your health. So, I mean, if it's $50, $90 a month, then that's, or $99 a month, that's actually really affordable. And in the US with the amount of money people are paying for their health insurance, like that's nothing because the results that they'll get from meeting their nutritional deficiencies and healing those is huge. Exactly. And I think, and also the, the all the data coming from the wearable devices that we there's no cost to that in a sense so and and what we're doing in the future you will be able to soon connect also your data from the third party health provider so if you already have done the blood test elsewhere you can connect that from the apple health to elo so those are all coming live but you know you, you're putting step by step because it's a very complicated thing and we are so early you know, it's like, you know, we take your blood and we send you nutrition. It's pretty out there idea, kind of science fiction to most people. So we have to kind of get people to understand it. So our target persona today uh, are the people who are, you know, in 30s, 40s, 50s, who have already decided to live a healthy life and mm -hmm. decided to start investing in it. And they are looking more like, we ask always the long-term health goal in the beginning. And there's just beautiful stories when people kind of write them up like, I want to, you know, go hike the Appalachian Trail when I'm 80 with my granddaughter. I mean, th like those are the dreams people have that really matter. And, um, and you know, people often talk about this, that what will my last decade look like? Do I want to walk to my, you know, bathroom alone? Uh, can I get up from bed without help? Those are very meaningful things if you think about when you're going to be 80 or 90 years old. And uh, I don't think we can expand our lifespan to 150 anytime soon. I think maybe in, in like 100 years, but you know, we don't know how to do that yet. But we know that we can probably be pretty healthy until we are 85 if we don't get unlucky. Yeah. Uh, and that'd be awesome life to be able to still maybe run when you are 80. Yeah. I mean, my, one of my relatives, he, uh, he just died last summer. And uh, he was the, the world record holder and five-time world champion in weightlifting uh, from 80, 85, 86, 80. He was 89, I think, last time he was competing. And there was nobody else. He was the only one in the world who was competing in weightlifting. He was still lifting like, you know, I don't know, 50 kilos up in straight arms. I mean, that, that's pretty powerful for that age.
That's amazing. And he, and he died boots on the ground and he was still like, you know, mm-hmm. relatively healthy because the muscle is so key. But but the idea we're trying to build at Elo is more is really more like a platform in the end because it it's kind of expensive now to do the testing only for the supplements because you know there's a cost involved like sending you the kit, getting the kit back, uh, putting it in the lab, processing. It's not it's pretty expensive to do, mm-hmm. but once we have we add a lot more products on top of this, then the the cost of the the testing will become less and less. Uh, uh, often is to because we spend a lot of money on food anyway today yeah. um, so there's a lot of money that i think we can kind of help people move the dollars from from place a totally. to, to place b and then i think the long-term play that i why i'm doing this is that i'm i'm really a believer that we will have a different world in in five to ten years where we will be subsidizing nutrition there's already many, many, many pilots happening in the U.S. where we are trying to help the people in the biggest need, people who have no access to food at all, giving them a produce box. Uh, there's also testing happening now, um, like you are doing, in scale where you know people with uh, type 2 diabetes, they are getting now nutrition delivered to them, or they get guidance on nutrition, how to actually reverse the condition. Because it is silly that we are spending so much money, I mean... We can debate about the number. It's between two and you know four trillion, somewhere there. Anyway, it's approximately a lot of money that we spend on keeping people sick, not yeah. healing any of them, and and not maybe even often increasing the their quality of life. But we spend awesome amount of money on this stuff, and it's a good business for everybody. It's good business for pharma, yeah. great business for the caregivers, the doctors, yeah. and it's even good business for some of the uh, payers so it's like a, we are living in the status quo that nobody wants to change it because it's so profitable and you know not only that but we also employ in the u.s you know millions of people in healthcare it's one of the biggest if not the biggest yeah. single employer like if we change it and make it automatic then what, what will the you know four or five million people do for living i mean and they often these are good jobs these are good paying um highly regarded jobs and and it's a really tough thing. Like I don't know how we can change it. And there's zero um, will from the government perspective today in most countries to do anything. EU has been uh, pretty good at you know levying taxes in sugar and a few other things. Uh, Mexico and Chile are now labeling food as uh, tobacco almost. It's when you go to Mexico or Silly, you can see, like you can buy stuff in the airport, and it's like, wow, there's like a, there's a label that says that this will kill you. Powerful. Yeah, but I know, work. but this is the problem, though, is that what what most people don't know is the food industry is one of the biggest lobbyists. You know, they influence government, they influence our medical system, they influence our pharmaceutical system, and so relying, you know. I, I'm not waiting around for the solution to be a top-down solution, but what I am seeing is exactly what you said. When someone says, I want to be hiking the Appalachian Trails with my granddaughter, this is from the bottom up. This is when I see people make the changes. So when my clients come to me, they've been giving a terrible prognosis. Often they've tried everything. They've tried every medication. Some of them have tried the surgeries and nothing has worked and they feel so awful. So it's the rock bottom place. And when I ask them, I, I start with that question, like, why do you want to free yourself from this disease? Why do you want to get off all the medications? Like, what is it? Why do you want to do this? 
And, you know, at first they say things like, well, I want to be free of pain and, you know, I want to have some energy. But then when I go further and I say, well, why do you want to have energy? Like, what are you going to do with all this energy? What are you going to do with a body free of pain and free of disease? And that's when it gets real. And that's when people are willing to make the change. So I see this happening from the, the bottom up. And we just finished working with an amazing company called A-Linker Bikes. They have a this amazing bike for people with mobility challenges. And it allows them to move their legs because it's kind of like a human tricycle, but very narrow. So you can take it everywhere. So with them moving their feet, just their tiptoes on the ground, even though they were in a wheelchair before, they actually, their neuroplasticity comes back. They're able to move their body, which then gets blood flow happening. And then before you know it, they're walking again, like it's phenomenal. So we partnered with this company and we applied our metabolic nutrition program. And there's people on disability who are off disability, people who couldn't leave their house, who now go out and can actually use those bikes and who are even taking it a step further. We even just hired one individual who's been on disability for a long time and she now works for us. She couldn't even carry, hold a potato in her hand when she started our program. It was too heavy. Her body was in so much pain. So I see that, you know, the work that we're doing on the ground, the work that you're doing on the ground also it makes me think we have to do more data tracking and your devices allow that data tracking to take place because it's when we take this data, right, from the results that we're able to achieve to government, to the healthcare system, then they can't deny it. And it's so cheap because the people are buying food already. So they already are spending their money on food and supplements. Now we're just getting them to spend their money on the right food and the right supplements. So, I mean, it's, I see it happening so clearly like I know the solution is there and I agree with you it is going to happen in the next like you say 10 years I'm I'm a little bit more hopeful for 20 or 30. <laughs> I, I think the subsidies I mean they will start happening and when they happen um, I'm I'm likely right when I say that it will not be the Yamuli and the McDonald's and mm -hmm. uh, the Unilever even getting the money it will, it you know, government. We can't give the taxpayer money to these companies who made no. us. I mean, that's like that's not gonna. I mean, maybe it happens, but I really hope it won't. And if it yeah. won't, then there will be. We talk about you know because you you talked about the healthcare is big in the U.S., but on the other side, we have we have nutrition and food. It's six trillion dollars. It's way bigger. Yeah, it's huge. And that is basically the biggest single thing we have as a as an industry. And if those two are colliding together, even if the consointed area is very, very small, you know, it, it's immediately hundreds of millions, if not, you know, oh, many, God. many billions. And, and there is a lot of them, you know, room for new entrants to play and accumulate more data. Because yeah. in the end, it's all about, you know, if you are an entrepreneur or you have a new idea, you know, you can you can go and yell in the in the speaker's corner in, in you know Hyde Park corner. There's a few, I was there a few weeks ago. It's a beautiful place. You can go stand there and you know you can tell your story to the world. Yeah. Uh, not many people in COVID, but you know it's it used to be cool. Yeah. Uh, but that's one way to do it. And you can yell all your life and you know five people yeah. will follow. But yeah. if you are able to accumulate data from tens of thousands of people, uh, especially in a world like nutrition, where so at Elo we are we are trying to be very science driven. And it's tough to be that because mm -hmm. the bottom line is that the science of nutrition today 
is absolutely weak. Yeah. And if you think about, we have about 4,000 studies today. These are clinical trials done to human beings around the world. Those are the studies that are powering the LOAI. Why do you give we give you ashwagandha or omega-3 or vitamin D or vitamin K or whatnot? And how much? Mm-hmm. You can, in LO app, you can see the studies that are deciding how much of what you get right now. And you can tweet the studies in the app right then there. So we made it absolutely transparent. But at the same time, when you are using uh, the app and the service, uh, you become N of one in those same studies. Yeah. And we replicate them by thousands of people now. And many times the study had 50 participants. Some wow. studies, we have now 500 participants. So suddenly, you know, we are now, we have 10 times the people. And somehow in our case, the outcomes are not at all like they were in that study. Okay, who paid for that study? Maybe it was like a supplement industry or food industry or somebody who made that ingredient. So nobody is publishing the negative studies in nutrition because it's paid by the people who want to study positive, like have positive results because they can sell more stuff. Exactly. So we have a completely biased uh, body of science. And I think in uh, in coming years, we have a lot of companies who now are deploying the big data and they can actually show in a real population way uh, that these are not real or some of them are real and they, they will become really valuable studies. But that's been a, a learning just in the last two years from running a fairly small operation in, with data. Well, I'm a PhD researcher. And so one of the things that I can tell you is that, you know, since 2018, 68,000 studies on plant-based whole foods and and, um, metabolic disease has been published. So 68,000 studies, but, you know, to be able to get those studies approved, it takes years for these researchers to apply for the funding, $50 million to fund often just a phase one or phase two clinical trial. And the only way it's going to get published is if there's a business plan attached to it where there's a return on the investment for that study. Exactly what you said. So that, so in one sense, science is so slow to deliver the results, to get like the studies that, and then of course, somebody has to be in place to read those studies as they're coming out. And there's too many studies that are coming out that are often focused on one or two variables. And this is the other thing that's beautiful about what you're doing is you're looking at multitude of variables within the human body. And we are a complex system. We can't just look at one, you know, test one type of food or one type of nutrient, we need to be looking at so at our, at our body as a complete system. And that's when the body heals is when all of those nutritional deficiencies are, are fixed. And so what you're doing is you're solving many problems on many levels. It's the quality of the studies that are coming out, the timing of the studies that it's real time case studies are the things that, um, you get enough. I always say you get enough anecdotal evidence and it eventually is data. Right. Thank you for pointing it out because that's a really the very few people have actually understood what you said and you, you absolutely understood correctly because the challenge now is that um, we are in a world of healthcare and nutrition where it's a molecule uh, versus uh, a condition illness uh, a problem. Yeah. So we have one molecule. Uh, what is the impact? Sometimes we find out that you know molecule and like Viagra, you know, it, ha- it became very different than you know it was supposed to be in the first place and yeah. became a big business. But in the end, nutrition, it doesn't work in a molecule by molecule level. It works on a 
you know, co combination level where we have macros and micros combining yeah, together. Totally. And it's very, very complicated because you can have like hundreds of different molecules impacting you and in different ways, depending how you cook the food or how you prepare uh, the, the nutrients. So we are trying to kind of do it other way around. And I mean, and real scientists could not do what we do no. because we are doing a real world uh, evidence studies where we throw you the kitchen sink and then we are looking at the other end. Are we seeing an impact? If we see an impact, then we start to then go back in and, and backtrack and find why. And that is, I think, the best way um, to, to kind of find the needle in a haystack. And then maybe you, you, you find the right haystack first and then you go for the needle. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what we're doing right now with one of a, cl a client that I have who has cystic fibrosis. So this is a genetic disease. It's a debilitating disease. Your entire body fills up with mucus. All the organs do, not just the lungs. And um, and what we're finding is we we threw all nutrients at her because we figured this is how this metabolic nutritional therapy works. You don't get to decide like when you eat three meals a day and you're drinking these juices and doing the detox, you're, you're getting all the nutrients. And what's happened is since she's getting all the nutrients, what's happened is her mucus production is down. It's no longer black and brown. Her body is clear of this. She like that all her conditions are completely different. But then what we need to do now is try and understand, was there one or two particular nutrients that you know, affected her more than all the others. And, but it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, she's eating three square meals. She's eating all the snacks. She doesn't have to count calories. Like she's living an incredible life eating these foods that she was doing anyway, eating foods, but now she's just eating all the, you know, healthy foods plus the additional supplements. And it's incredible, the results. And if we can do this with a genetic disease, um, you know, with one genetic disease, how many other genetic diseases can also be affected by, you know, metabolic nutrition, because we know that our genes are also affected by our environment. You flip them on and off like a light switch, depending on the environment that those cells and the DNA are bathed in. So it's, it's really remarkable. And I really do see, yeah, huge potential between what you're doing, what we're doing, and so many other other companies out there as well that are just doing incredible things like a linker bike. So, you know, maybe it's not going to be 30 years, maybe it'll just be 10 years before we see. <laughs> I have to I have just underline one point here, because you know, it's so important to always um, talk about this. Um, so for companies like like yellow, and I think many other ones who are now trying to tackle this uh, problem in different ways. Um, we are often not in a position you are because you have, uh, you know, you have medical doctors, you have the researchers, you have the patient uh, uh, doctor relationship in your uh, system. And that's, of course, amazing uh, vitriol to test. But that's, yeah. as you know, very difficult to scale. Like how do we get to 100,000 people? Mm -hmm. uh, it's almost impossible. So we are working on a, on a premise, like you said before, we, are, we don't have a medical doctor in the loop. We don't treat a condition. Uh, we are not FDA approved. Yeah. We are not under FDA regulation today because we are only using nutrition. Uh, but I see a world where uh, companies like like Elo will have an arm that will be um, driven by the by the medical doctors and will be part of the healthcare system. But you know, we we started with outside of it, and today, yes, we do have some people who have real illness and sickness and you know we have to somehow sometimes find a doctor for them 
but most people are, are, are relatively healthy. And we are we're trying to find like how who are the people who are willing to to you know you are talking about healing people who are, are very sick in a in a common sense of you know yeah. looking at person and you can even heal these people. I'm trying to know how do you find the people out there who are maybe sick in 10 years? What if mm -hmm. we could heal them today? The cost so and they the, don't get sick, yeah. The effort is gonna be we don't need to be 90% perfect. Maybe if we are we move you from a diet of 35% diet, like I mean 100 would be like a perfect ever diet. Yeah. Zero is like you're gonna kill yourself in like a few years. Yeah. Like the because <laughs> skates in leaving Las Vegas type of diet. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> so don't do that with Yeah, most people are eating like the 30, 40% diet. And I'm again, I don't know, I don't have the data, but I, I'm saying that if I can move you from that to 60% diet, you will likely live 10 years longer and you will not cost for the healthcare system even 10th what you would otherwise cost. And if that's true, we just need to find these people and, and you know somehow make this exciting enough that they are willing to pay maybe a few dollars more or commit to use this instead of something else. And I mean, I so often you know use an example of this but you know it's just so true like elon musk you know we can we can love him we hate him or whatever but he went on to build a better car not a better electric car yeah it doesn't matter if electric or not he built yeah. a better car and i know I, we all have one of that one yeah. of those so it's just a better car like if we elo has to build something you know if, let's say supplements we need to build a 10 times better supplementation regimen than you have today. And then you buy it because it's better, not because it's just something different. Yeah. Like it has to be better. And that's often forgotten in the world today. And when you go into the, to the medicine and to the you know, health insurance companies and the employers, then it's very difficult to build a product yeah. that will be the right product because then you have like 15 people telling you what to do it, it should be blue and red and yellow and i've been there for decades and it's yeah. a tough world to build a really great product that's why we're trying to build in a way that the people are paying themselves without you can't even reimburse this today at all on purpose because now we have people coming in and paying themselves because they are truly understanding the benefit and they're the right people in the beginning and i i, I like to call this moment that people have had um i don't know if you if you know the context of the system called uh, memento mori oh I, that's funny i was going to bring that up with you when you had said like what are the last you know how do you want to live the last 10 years of your life dancing and hiking or you know or do you want to be in a wheelchair in a bed sick taking tons of medication so yeah we talked about this all the time on our podcast memento mori but go on i want to hear what your perspective is yeah, so my, my perspective is that, you know, usually the people who are signing up to these services, they have had a moment of the memento mori, mm. which is in Latin that, you know, we are mortal. That was the, the yeah. word that, you know, in, in lore at least, the slave was whispering to Caesar's ear when he was at the triumph in the Roman times. Uh, memento mori, you are mortal, you are not a god. And, but for normal people, it's like the moment when we know that we are mortal. Somebody in your vicinity got sick, somebody died, and you first time think about life is precious and there's an end ahead. And when you have that moment, then I think you could understand it. I'm not talking about you becoming, like your doctor is telling you that you might die. 
like in a case of you know Verda Health when they reverse type 2 diabetes a doctor is talking to the patient saying yeah. looking you in the eye and saying you know you're not going to see your daughter get married you're going to die before that yeah. or you will need there's an amputation happening in the three years or I can give you Verda Health yeah. and by, by the way people are then acting and, and being adhering like no other I mean like amazing results I don't have that luxury in a sense as Elo. I don't have that moment that you're going to die but yeah. there's this memento mori moment that at least sometimes you think about this and those moments happen during COVID they happen totally. in the first week of the year of the new year when you're thinking about <laughs> you know, renewing your life yeah or when you have like a near death experience or you accidentally almost get hit by a car or whatever it is it's um yeah, we need people to have the, that momentum or needs to be something that's built into our education system for our kids as well. So that we just say, you know, like, what kind of life do you want to live? What do you want on your deathbed? What do you want your life to look like? Um, but then also have solutions for people to achieve that. Because when you talk about living to 150 years, for sure, I bet you we can increase the lifespan to 150 years, maybe not anytime soon, but somebody's going to do it. But how are you going to spend the last 70 years of your life? Because right now people are dying a long death and they're living a short life, right? So, you know, you said like your wife, like that was rare for people to get this type of cancer that she had in her twenties, but I can guarantee you more and more and more people, more these kids that are born after 1986 will have these rare cancers that were never present 50 years ago because of everything they've been exposed to. And so we have younger and younger people that are really like, facing that that existential moment of you know asking well you know how do I want to live my life but they don't have the solution in front of them which is why we do this podcast it's to interview individuals like yourself to show that there is another way the way that people have been taught in our schools in our home ec classes like frying potatoes fritters you know that's what we taught kids to do in school like this has got to come to an end we have to be teaching people about where food comes from teaching kids about um how to access food how to cook it properly because you know we're living in a world now where yeah great more people are plant-based more people are vegan but they're taking this healthy food from the farm the fresh farm and they're destroying it when they get home and cook it right? That all the nutrients are being cooked out of it. They're adding all of this processed refined sauces. Like they're not still sticking to the premise that everything needs to be, you know, at least 90% of it at least needs to be clean, real, toxic-free, nutrient-dense food prepared in the right way. And the way we cultivate food is, is just depleting oh. the food and the, and the soil totally. from the nutrients and them. Um, and that's why we, you know, we are so happy to be involved a little bit in the Comprador Qdex, that is uh, farmers market home delivery in the Bay Area. They just yeah. opened LA. Uh, there are hundred thousand people in the Bay Area who are getting most of their food from that one service. From that what? From Qdex. A hundred thousand people. Yeah. That is good work. Think here. about their okay. massive business. They're like hundreds of millions of revenue only in the Bay Area. If they would be in in the key metros in the U.S., they would be like ten billion dollar company in revenue, because people are just. We spend. We've been members for I don't know seven years or eight years. We spend about fifteen to twenty thousand a year for the food we get from there. It's expensive, but you know it's all coming from fifty mile radius. All the food we get, wow. and it's all in season. And uh, there's this saying even when we go to like uh, 
birthday parties of kids. There are the Safeway strawberries and then there are the Gudex strawberries. Yeah. And the kids who have the Gudex strawberries, they're like looking at the Safeway, like, what are these? Like they taste like nothing. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's and it's really an important piece too for people to understand because um, I presented at a pesticides conference in British Columbia many years ago. Like this is the beginning of my government work that I did like 20 years ago. And um, we, we presented the neuroscience behind these foods that are grown, that are nutrient poor and full of pesticides. And so they compared this the studies were on children between four and six years old, and they tried to get the child to the children to drop a piece of corn into a jar that had a circumference, like a wide mouth mason jar, and only from a few inches up. The children that ate the foods that had pesticides in them that were not organic and that were not nutrient dense, they couldn't drop the piece of corn into the jar. Then they had the kids try and draw photos, like they say, draw a picture of your family. And normally kids between like the ages of, you know, four and six can draw a circle and have the circle meet and then sticks that stick out. And you know that it's like a picture of your dad, right? It looks like an egg with four sticks and that's dad. But the kids that ate the pesticide food, uh, foods with pesticides, they couldn't connect it. So it just looked like chicken scratch. You couldn't tell that they were trying to draw a human. So then what they did is they um, switched the students, switched the kids, put them on an organic nutrient dense meal plan for I think it was six weeks. And then they had them repeat the study. So only six weeks later, and all of a sudden the kids performed the same way as the kids that were eating the nutrient dense pesticide free food. That's amazing. It's incredible. The neuroscience between eating foods that are deficient in nutrients and full of pesticides it's huge and i do not know how we are still tolerating you know food producers and allowing them to be able to spray our foods but it is happening but when individuals learn about these kinds of studies then they can make decisions to swap out their food the kids know right like they eat the strawberry and they know the good strawberry from the bad strawberry so like let's start giving our kids more more healthy food interesting topic this whole idea when you connect uh... So we talked about connecting the health and the food systems that are, that are very, I think, uh, uh, disjointed today and almost opposing, but they mm -hmm. could probably be connected more and more in the future. I'm, I'm a big, uh, because it, economically it makes sense. So if you look from the economist hat perspective, you know, it, it will happen because it's, just, it's a good business overall. And uh, but the other point that's interesting also is you have the world where we are now not just... Um, poisoning ourselves, but we're also destroying the ability to feed the yeah. future generation of people. And I, I have a feeling that, and you know, this not so much my topic, but my, my wife has spent, you know, over 20 years in this area of, of trying to think about like, how do we conserve uh, the planet for not only our kids, but you know, their, their grandkids, like how, yeah. how do we do that? We, we owe that. Um, we owe to leave the place in a better condition than when we Game, exactly. game here that's what we owe and we have to uh that's a pledge we need to kind of fulfill and we are not we're completely failing on that in every possible way yeah. but the one aspect of that that maybe people don't often talk about and think about is that because we have such a big uh, metabolic crisis today and we have a, in 75 percent of people in the u.s are overweight 50 percent adult is obese we are in a moment where People are so worried about themselves and their own survival that they can't think about the future and the environment. So I think we have to first fix this problem that we have now ahead of us. 
where we are just as sick as a population. We have to fix yeah. that before we can think about the next hundred years or yeah. a couple of generations. That's a really a problematic thing because you know people, often the people again who fight for the environment, um, they they don't then understand the the complexity of this whole system. And I don't yeah. claim to understand it, but at least I'm trying to think uh, broadly and looking at it from very far away because it's a, these are all very complicated things that you know we kind of need to solve all of them we can't solve one of them well I think though you hit the nail on the head there so that is where I, I love the work that you're doing on the preventative side and also with Vita Health uh, Vitra Health doing it with diabetes reversal I think it's brilliant this work that you're doing it's hard to measure prevention though right like it's it's it becomes tricky so how do you influence policy with data around prevention it's been the hardest thing to do um, in public health but what we can influence is on the chronic disease reversal side and here's one thing I can say when my clients use food and nutrition to reverse their chronic disease what happens is they go from being in that fight and you know flight and fight state where they're just thinking about themselves like trying they're literally just trying to survive and then all of a sudden they heal then their energy levels you know are much bigger they're higher like they have more energy to read to be engaged and then what happens it's it's this natural evolution for them then they start thinking about well I'm not don't want to put toxins in my food or my house so then they start cleaning up their house then they start telling other people then they become advocates they're teaching 10 other people because when people see them go from so sick to so vibrant and then all of a sudden they're relating the way that they live with the greater world around them and they have the energy to do it it's been phenomenal watching people like completely change from being isolated me individual thinking to be the systemic thinkers and actually having the energy to want to go out and and provide solutions to these global problems that we have it, it's quite remarkable what happens with my clients and this is data that is really easy to show as well so I think there's that combination of doing the work that you're doing which is on the prevention side Vitra Health is doing it on the diabetes reversal side but the stories need to to be shared with lots of other people these stories of the diabetes reversal because diabetes is such a huge epidemic right now it, it's maybe the biggest single thing yeah. that you know is, is and we are we are not we are in the very tip of the iceberg i mean there's so much behind because you yeah. you look at 80 percent of people have you know we can measure if we take insulin resistance 80 percent of people likely have already bad values that will lead into A1C so in the values exactly. soon and that leads into people becoming you know pre-diabetic and then diabetic and then they need insulin and then we pay 10,000 15,000 a year for these people and they will become part of that two to three two to four trillion dollar you know metabolic uh, or chronically sick population we are maintaining so that has to be has to be fixed and I think one one last point I really wanted to uh, tap here because I mean you you have you probably know more about this than I do. I just want to get your kind of point of view also in a way that yeah. I'm 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 becoming a really um, big believer in this idea that some of the things you said really well. You talked about anecdotal evidence becoming real evidence often mm -hmm. because anecdotal things tend to sometimes be real, and there are a lot of these things in nutrition and health that are these old 
things that people have believed, like what the grandma already believed. So we can look at the blue zones and, and looking at the people, how they eat in Okinawa and, you know, Sicilia and, and Loma Linda and, and elsewhere. There are some commonalities, but they eat very different type of diets. Like, you know, like some people eat pretty heavy carbs. Some people eat very plant heavy. Some people eat very much um, uh, fish, for example. Yeah. But they all drink alcohol and they all, co you know, communalize. They hang out together to the old age. They have friends till they're 90 plus years old. So it's a very interesting world to look at. But the area I want to ask you about is this idea of uh, ancestral diet. <laughs> I'm from Finland, which is, a, and you know, you have a very interesting background as well because you come from like very far away where you are now. Same here in Finland. You know, we we were a very unique population that was living in this narrow patch of land. So there was a long story short, but you know, ice was receding in Europe after ice age, and there was a, a massive, you know that time massive sea that became between the central europe and, and finland and you couldn't get back to where you were so people were stranded there for i don't know twenty thousand years or more and then they they developed unique language they had to be foraging still 500 years ago people were foraging mainly berries and fish and game and and you know you can't cultivate anything it's too north it's like you know anchorage alaska north so that population is very kind of homogeneous so you talk about six degree separation of dna we have like three yeah. <laughs> degrees separation <laughs> yeah. and we are all same makeup more or less yeah. and uh, i mean i look at the foods that my grandparents and their parents ate and i'm like 100 percent from that area of my dna for thousands of years so i can eat milk and i don't spike my blood glucose yeah. at all i can eat you know many things there that are difficult i mean i can do, even do ice cream it doesn't spike me yeah. but if i do corn or rice or wheat i'm like Phew! i yeah. spike like dramatically and then i have because we, we in our team for because we have many of us have glucose monitor all the time so we test this together and then you know somebody who comes from like india they have rice and they're like flatlining right so is the ancestral diet maybe a a thing we could maybe do DNA and look where you're from, and then maybe you can put you in a bucket that you know there may be five buckets that you know we know roughly what you should eat. Yeah, it's a really great question. And having done the DNA testing through nutrigenomics and through um, DNA Power, and just before I forget, I just want to apologize because I know it's Verda Health, but I've been calling yeah. it Vitra, so I apologize okay. for that. Everyone, There's another company called Vita Vita Health, also run by a friend of mine, a great company oh. as well. Okay, perfect. So we got Vita Health, Virta Health. Um, I just wanted to correct the pronunciation on that. So yeah, it's a really good question. And in fact, we just put out um, a documentary called Grounded in My Roots. And our second documentary that's coming out is called The Food of Our Ancestors. And it's exactly on this topic. So um, through the genetic testing that I had done, like I can digest lactose like a queen, like no problem, doesn't upset my stomach. I don't eat it because I also know of the health risks associated with um, consuming it more on the toxicity level, the hormone level, the bad production level, all of that. So for me, I don't consume it. Um, and the environmental, you know, everything, all the other reasons why I don't consume dairy. Um, so, but I can consume it. So there's many aspects about my DNA, which I just got an African ancestry DNA kit um, done as well, because I wanted to figure out what region of Africa I am from. So I'll have more information for everybody soon. But when it comes to eating like our ancestors, um, 
I always say, eat like your ancestors 500 years ago, not like your grandparents, not like your parents, because your parents were most likely introduced into the world of plastics and fake food and convenient food. Um, also, your your parents and grandparents are much wealthier than your ancestors from 500 years ago. So we know your ancestors 500 years ago ate predominantly all whole foods, no preservatives, no, like salt wasn't even used until the late 18, late, uh, yeah, 1800s. So they didn't have the sodium. Um, it was rich in potassium. It was rich in magnesium. It was lower in calcium, um, unless they had access to dairy from animals. And then if they were eating meat, it was still a clean whole meat. Now, here's one of the things we can look at is the populations, like, for example, the Inuit in northern Canada. So they eat a lot of blubber. They eat a lot of um, meat. They eat a lot of game. Um, but the thing is, is that they die 10 years earlier and they die of 50% uh, higher rates of heart attack and stroke. So because of the high animal meat consumption, but it only happens at one time of the year where their death rate goes up significantly. And it's when that it's a complete ice shield. So they can't access the sea planktons. They can't access the, the little greens and the berries that are popping up for a mm. short period of time. So when all of a sudden their nutrient quality goes down, they don't have access to those plant plant rich phytonutrients, all of a sudden their bodies become quite acidic from the high amounts of protein that they're consuming. That's when they get the heart, heart disease and the strokes. So we can look at the Inuit as an example, I think that might be a little bit closer to the population you're talking about in Finland, that's a unique population. But it's also hard to see what foods they were eating. Um, it, it, because of the fact that we know that bones will solidify and make fossils whereas all plants disintegrate. So we don't have actual, a lot of knowledge. We're starting to get it now because we can analyze the soil for material from 500 years ago that does let us know that actually we weren't as paleo as we thought we were, right? It's only because we just don't have fossilized evidence of some of these plants that we were eating. And those plants can be anything from seaweeds to um, you know, there's rich iodine in a lot of the fish and a lot of the seaweeds as well. And so we're in a population that's very deficient in iodine. We cannot, nobody stands a chance of being free of cancer and reversing cancer without restoring their iodine deficiency. That's one of the key things that we have to change immediately in our society to see cancer rates drop. So eating like our ancestors, uh, you got to choose which ancestor you're talking about is <laughs> really, really important. And then also, if you do come from a rich royalty line, it's probably better to eat like the peasants did, not like the rich um, ancestors, because they had access to more meat and rich, like fatty, salty foods. And so and but we also saw the obesity rates climb among royalty versus if you look in a peasant farmer village, like my grandmother's, everybody looks like Michael Jordan. They're like super slim, lean, really muscular, like they don't have an ounce of excess fat on them, but they also don't have any chronic disease. But it's because they eat very, you know, really, really pure, beautiful, nutrient-dense carbs. If they have meat, it's very minimal. Um, and genetically, for sure, there's going to be a few variations between my ancestors in Africa and your ancestors in Finland. Um, but meat is not, um, people live well into their 90s disease-free very very healthy thank you that's super interesting i need to i need to see the documentary and and i think the, the other point of this is that 
it's so interesting that you know you read history and uh, you find out that there are people in you know Egypt and ancient Greece you know three four thousand years ago who lived 90 years old oh yeah so we haven't been able to extend the human lifespan at all I mean maybe a bit more people who are now dying older but really the hundred is still like a myth in a way there yeah. are very few people who get to hundred so it's interesting like we often think that the life expectancy has grown dramatically but we always had really old people always oh yeah yeah and it's just that we're comparing it to the lifespan of individuals that lived in places that had a lot of um the the um uh, like diseases like cholera it's like when humans started gathering into cities but they didn't have sanitation a lot of people started dying like 45 46 heart disease started seeping in you know there was a lot of alcohol there was a lot of you know in and this came from these high stress city living as we populized the planet but when people were peasants working the lands moving their bodies a lot um you know people had did live well into their 90s disease free in many many most parts of the world um, indigenous communities, we could see that, I mean, just here in North America as well. A lot of indigenous communities, they live for a long time. And, but, you know, the times have changed as we've changed our work and changed the land and changed, you know, everything and the amount of vaccinations that have come forward as well. Um, you know, we used to give kids 11 vaccinations 20 years ago. Now we give them 35, 36 vaccinations before they're two years old. Like there's just so many assaults and I'm all for vaccinations like you know I'm not saying anything about that um I'm in I'm all for them in the right time right place right individual right and so with all of these assaults on the body now we're struggling to live to 85 and struggling means by the time you're 60 some people are not even walking anymore like this is not okay yeah this is it's a it's a one of the biggest you know dilemmas we have as society and uh, but it, it's also really really complicated yeah so it's just hard to understand like you know like i think most people i think they're asking when they hear about these discussions it's like what can i do today What's so what what thing? can we do today how what if we leave this show with you Artula, telling us what can we do what are some simple things for somebody who's just hearing this for the first time a lot of people have no idea that nutrition affects their health so what are some simple tips that people today can do um whether they have a limited budget or you know exponential funds at their at their fingertips yeah my 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 thinking has been always that um, you know you focus on the things that have the biggest uh, adverse effect quickly um, if you don't sleep for four days you actually might die if you don't eat for four days you might be a bit crumpy if you don't drink for four days you're going to be in trouble so i think in a in a way like the, the recovery and sleep is uh in my opinion one of the key things to address first because most of us don't sleep enough if you don't sleep enough, you end up eating too much. You get too high uh, stress hormones uh, that are just, you know, making you to eat more bad, bad stuff. And you eat kind of because you're feeling bad because you're not sleeping properly. And all these people who say that you can sleep four hours a night, it's bullshit. I it's mean, it bullshit. Doesn't, it doesn't yeah. work. That, yeah. That's not true no. <laughs> on any level. Yeah. So I think the recovery is the easiest thing to do. But not always easy because, you know, but the only thing that works and this is actually i don't know the secret but you know there's a one unnamed big company that you know is building all the devices we love nowadays and they are now going to sleep big way 
And I think the only thing that they really are focusing on is making us sleep earlier. Mm-hmm. If you go sleep at between 10 and 11, you're going to be a champ. I mean, you're going to be healthier and you're probably going to live maybe years longer. Yeah. That's a, a one thing that, you know, we can do. Not always easy, but, you know, we can all do it. It doesn't cost anything. Yeah. Uh, the second thing I think is the idea that uh, going to buy food and follow the Pollan's rule in a way that, you know, let's buy the real food and let's buy on the edges of the store, not, not near the register. And, um, and uh, I mean, in that note, I, I would never drink anything except water and I hope, hope clean water, but you know, that's the easiest way to think. If you, if you are thirsty, drink water, you don't need to drink anything else. Right. And that will make you so much healthier. You can do the black coffee or tea, but Starbucks, you know, no. average is like five or five to 10 cubes of sugar in every drink you get out of there. Yeah. That's just not going to be good for you. And then I think thirdly, uh, I think if you want to go more purist and you know, more optimized, you know, I think, you know, try to measure something and, and pick one area, then, you know, you can measure and then improve. And um, weight is a really bad measurement and very, very, um, it's a very bad game to optimize weight loss. There's no worse game than that. You're going to lose the game always. 95% of people fail to keep the weight off if they use these diets. And uh, I think we didn't go there yet, but, you know, we talked before the show a bit about the diet. Like, you know, there's like a, this keto type of diet or paleo type of diet. Mm-hmm. There's this, you know, uh, vegetarian, there's a uh, Mediterranean diet. I don't think the diets matter at all because the diet is only an artificial construct to your brain to keep it simple enough that our reptile brain can understand it. Like saying no, like when I was a vegan, saying no to 90% of food on the menu was pretty easy. Yeah. I don't still eat really meat however, but you know, it's like I can maybe eat third of the menu today. Um, but it's easier to make a pick if you can only pick from two. Oh, um, but that's all artificial in a way. And it doesn't mean that you know it has impact on human health at all. It's just that somebody decided to like have a because we can understand if we eat this type of foods, we might then eat less bad food. Yeah. So I think when we get you know these AI things to help us and um, and we have we can listen to these, you know, support funks we're going to have in the future. We can eat the food we love and we can be healthier because almost any food you eat, you can make to be unhealthy or healthy. Totally. Like uh, pizza. I mean, like a pizza is horrible. Well, I can make cauliflower pizza with, with really good ingredients that is super healthy. Yeah. And it's actually equally tasty as the, the worst ever pizza you can buy totally. from your frozen aisle. Yeah. Yeah, I make an amazing lasagna that is with potatoes. Instead, you shred the, you slice the potato really thin, that becomes your pasta. And then it's just layered and it's so delicious. Like my kids devour it. And people say, well, I can't have lasagna. And last night we had amazing burgers my husband made with chickpeas, onions, garlic, um, you know, some lentils, I think, you know, I don't know what else he threw in there. Um, but you can eat your favorite foods and it and the recipes are simple to make. It doesn't have to be complicated. Um, those t- Tips are really important to sleep, especially like we could do a whole podcast on sleep alone. Um, I definitely want to uh, just drive people. Where should we drive people so that they can learn more about everything that you do? Um, I'm I'm very easy to find on the interwebs. I think I'm the only one with my my name. <laughs> yeah, Ari Tula. I mean, you can. I mean, I'm I'm the first ten pages of Google <laughs> if you put my name. 
but my company Elo Health is um, easiest way to find is on the website elo.health or you can go to Instagram it's elo.health and all the social as well and uh, we are in a pretty beginning so we are available in the US only uh, we are we're not yet in New York New York will be opened up end of the year um, anyone can sign up today 99 bucks a month and you know we we live for the feedback I mean we have you know thousands of people signing up and and we we really love for the feedback we are hearing every day and we are in the beginning of building something that we like to take a decade um, but it's been it's been really again rewarding to to see some people actually uh, I don't know if we have saved anyone's lives yet but you know um, I think we made a big impact on a few people's lives that will oh, help sure. them to be, they can live a much better life and they will likely live 20 years longer. And that will be, that's a big deal for me. Yeah, just re just restoring those nutrient deficiencies, bringing down their inflammatory markers, showing them where they're at, get, you know, encouraging them with the nutritionist to eat more simply to, and to eat more nutrient dense, beautiful food. I mean, that's a huge impact that you're making. So you know where to find Ari at his web. We're going to have all the links in the show notes. Um, you know that sleep is important. That's the second tip. So measure results, get to bed by 10 p.m. between 10 and 11, and then keep your diet nice and simple and clean and nutrient dense. I mean, those are three good ways to start. Um, you know where you can find me, you know where you can find Ari and his team and all the amazing um, businesses that you're supporting. Go to Good Eggs if you want to have food delivered to you. If you're in the Bay Area, I can't wait for you to expand into Canada. Um, as well, if you have diabetes, make sure you get onto Verda Health and start reversing your diabetes today. Get your aura ring. Those are awesome. I don't have one because I have the whoop and I have my Cinta watch and I have like so many devices, but that ring is easy to wear, which I do like. Um, I've seen many people use it um, and the results and the data that come out of that is amazing. And then of course, for sure, if you want to maximize performance, go to ELO Health. Um, again, links in the show notes. And Ari, I have to thank you. This has been one of the most inspiring conversations and I have had amazing people on our show. So this is no, you know, not saying anything bad about all the people that I have had. This has been one of the most inspiring conversations because A, I see how much you care about humanity and the environment. I see how much you're supporting people out there in the world to do their amazing good work because no one human can do it all. So we do need to be supporting the vast amount of businesses that are trying to do really, really good work. And this is not easy work because we are changing systems and the companies that you're supporting are changing big, huge systems. And those ships are big and hard to turn. Um, and, and you're able to do that by supporting those companies. So I just have to thank you so much for the work that you do and for just giving me renewed hope that I am going to be able to hit our 22 million strong goal by 2030. That was massive. <laughs> no, that, thank you. And I, I learned a lot and I hope we can continue to discuss and off, offline. It's uh, been really, really a, a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, we are definitely going to continue this offline. So thank you once again. Okay, everyone, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that show. I just absolutely adored this uh, podcast that I did with Ari. He is such a heartfelt individual. He leads with his intellect, his heart. He feels like just such a well-balanced individual, and there's a lot that we can learn from him. He also has the direct experience having had to 
figure out that food was medicine, had to learn about nutrition. And really he's a huge source of inspiration because if you've been battling a chronic health condition and you've been told that there is nothing you can do about it, it is time for you to stand up, to rise up and to actually do what Ari and his family did and his wife did. They got hit the books, they learned, they asked questions, they did research, and they were able to find answers. And then of course, look at all the greatness that he's been able to build since then. So thanks everyone for listening to the show. If you have any ideas for podcast guests that you would like to have on our show, please let us know. The only requirement is that they have an exceptional story of reversing their chronic diseases using food as medicine. Um, that is what we love to hear about. And of course, we also like to bring experts into the show as well, doctors, researchers, um, other health practitioners who have expertise in finite areas. We are so thrilled to bring them on the show. So please write to us and let us know who you would like to who you would like to hear from. Thanks everyone. Go ahead, register for our retreat and our get off your fat ass program. Loved being here with you and see you next week. Mm -hmm.